Welcome to MTSU on the Record. I'm Jenna Logue, and we're coming to you from the campus of Middle Tennessee State University in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. In Houston, the Amsterdam Company Coffee Bar plans to sell drinks laced with CBD this summer. In Anchorage, a pet store called AK Bark reports that CBD oil is flying off the shelves as pet owners seek help for their animals' arthritis. What is CBD and how is it different from the better-known cannabis product THC? Dr. Elliot Oldman, a professor of biology and director of, of the Tennessee Center for Botanical Medicine Research, is here to explain the difference and the possible uses for cannabinoids as well as the booming economic market for those products. No need to call your dealer. We'll be back after this. Here are some of the headlines making news at mtsunews.com, the university's news and information website. Some Argosy University students displaced by the for-profit institution's decision to close its chain of 22 career schools, including one in Nashville, have begun to reach out to MTSU to express an interest in transferring to the Murfreesboro campus. Dr. Deborah Sells, MTSU's Vice President of Student Affairs and Vice Provost for Enrollment and Academic Services, said interested students must meet MTSU's admissions requirements, either a 3.0 high school grade point average, a score of 22 or higher on the ACT, at least a 19 on the ACT with a 2.7 GPA in high school, or at least 24 college-level credit hours with a 2.0 college GPA. And MTSU is honoring a gifted sculpture professor and providing a student with financial help to earn an art degree with a new Department of Art and Design scholarship. Dr. James S. Gibson, who taught at MTSU from 1970 to 1999 and was named a Professor Emeritus in 2000, was a sculptor of national renown, creating more than 500 pieces during his lifetime. His work is part of private and public collections, both local and national, including the Frist Center for Visual Arts, Vanderbilt University, Nissan, and Bridgestone, as well as a place of honor in MTSU's public collection. For MTSU News at any time, go to mtsunews.com. Elliot, welcome. Thanks for being with us again. Happy to be here. What is CBD? So CBD is one of the non-psychotropic cannabinoids that can be isolated from cannabis plants. And confusion exists because cannabis is the plant, but there are multiple varieties like for any plant. So you can either focus on marijuana if you're interested in THC, which is the psychotropic cannabinoid, or you can focus on hemp if you're interested in CBD primarily, which is the non-psychotropic cannabinoid. But the problem is, since they're both cannabis, they all make all compound. There are about 80 cannabinoids, multiple terpene, terpenoids, a number of biologically important compounds that are made by cannabis. So the difference comes in ratios. A marijuana plant is going to make a lot of THC, but it can also make some CBD. And vice versa, a hemp plant is going to make a lot of CBD, but it can also make a little THC. So because of these problems to differentiate, the federal government defined legal differentiation for the two plants, and that is if a plant has more than 0.3% THC, it's marijuana. 
if a plant has less than 0.3%, it's hemp and it's legal. And how does someone know if they're growing a legal plant or an illegal plant? So as per the Federal Farm Act, it's up to the um, individual state Department of Agriculture to ensure that their farmers have legitimate certified seed that they're planting as industrial hemp. And there are a number of varieties of industrial seed that's available where people have done multiple generations and made sure that the THC is less than 0.3%. So if a, a farmer is intent on growing a plant without psychotropic properties, he can do so. Yes. Talk about how it's different from THC, uh, other than the fact that one uh, will get you high and the other won't get you high. That's the basic difference, isn't it? So, and they're different compounds. So different compounds should have different properties. So THC is a psychotropic, and it's being used as pain alternative, pain management, and very effectively so by the, marijuana, the medical marijuana state. Mm -hmm. CBD is a non-psychotropic, so it has nothing to do with any of those categories. And there are a number of scientific and medical studies that are starting to show that what CBD is good at is it's good as a anti-inflammatory agent. So any kind of inflammation, CBD will be effective at treating. And it also works well against epileptic conditions. The ratios are what people find so confusing. Consumers, um, there are ratios on uh, little uh, containers of CBD oil. They range from like 18 to 1 to 1 to 1. What do those ratios mean? Well, now we're probably back to medical marijuana where even um, our, you know, both medical marijuana states and recreational marijuana states, because we do have a couple in the U.S. now, um, what their users find is that you don't want to take straight THC. Right. Is too intense. Mm -hmm. And what they're finding is, is some blend of CBD with THC will give you a less heightened experience, more mellow. And if you're wanting pain management, that's probably where you want to be. Yeah. So this is also further indication that the endocannabinoid receptors that are evolved, that are involved in these pathways and how the responses work, uh, in the brain in particular for THC, that CBD is affecting the same thing, but in a very different way. So if you have a bottle of CBD oil that has a ratio on the label of 18 to 1, you can be fairly well assured that there is much, much more CBD in there than THC. Well, I think that's the confusion. For, for CBD products, you never see a ratio, or you shouldn't because it doesn't have any THC. Okay. It's only on the medical marijuana side where people are saying, where, where ratios are anywhere from 2 to 1 THC to CBD all the way up to 18 to 1 mm -hmm. THC CBD. But on the non-psychotropic hemp-derived side, there's no THC. There can't be. It's illegal. We'll take a break right here. We'll be back. This is MTSU on the record. The Tennessee Employment Relations Research Association, or TERRA, gives labor relations specialists and academics a chance to share their views and their data. Terra wants academics and other interested in human resources and industrial relations to work together at meetings and conferences to strengthen the workplace. Many MTSU faculty belong to Terra, which has members in 20 states and 7 nations. 
For all the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. The Middle Tennessee Writing Project is a program that fosters the effective teaching of writing to students in kindergarten through high school. The project hosts annual summer institutes where teacher participants teach and learn from each other effective techniques of teaching writing. In addition, the project sponsors summer writers camps for youngsters. MTSU is one of 185 sites of the National Writing Project and one of only two in Tennessee. For all the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. We're talking about CBD and THC cannabinoids and the research into those products and what they can possibly mean for consumers with Dr. Elliot Altman, who is director of the Tennessee Center for Botanical Medicine Research. You have a a $2.5 million 10-year grant from Greenway Herbal Products to study these substances, cannabinoids. What have you found since you received the grant in 2016, and how is your work progressing? Greenway challenged us to do a couple of things. One is, was there any value whatsoever of hemp-derived botanical extracts? And if there were, what were the specific compounds that did anything? Could we prove it? Because their intention was to sell better products for consumers that wanted to be educated. Mm -hmm. And their um, logo is healthy living rooted in science. So they really do mean that. Mm -hmm. And within two years, we could definitively show what the cannabinoids were good at and come up with better formulations that would yield better products than what we're currently on the market. And what we're sort of um, amazed at is that botanical extracts are much more effective than pure compound. And a lot of the companies in this space are, are making mistakes, in my opinion, and actually just wanting to sell pure CBD. What we're finding is if you make a true botanical extract like a lot of other Um, herbal supplements are used as, for example, blueberry, cranberry, whatever your favorite extracts are, Mm -hmm. it works better. If you ultimately isolate a pure chemical, then that should become the concern of the FDA because now you're using it as a drug because that's what drugs are, they're pure chemicals. Mm -hmm. Whereas nutritional supplements are nutraceuticals, that category is all about natural botanical extracts different regulations, different purposes. The, the latter category, I guess, would fall into the uh, a category of uh, things you could find at a health food store. Absolutely. You know, a lot of people believe in natural supplements. They've been found to be very effective. Mm-hmm. And again, you know, Saul Palmetto, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. These are all examples of botanical extracts, not pure compound, but botanical extracts. So what we're finding is that that's what hemp would be better prepared and consumed as, is as a botanical extract. What is the status of industrial hemp right now? How is it used? What is it used for? Uh, well, it's flourishing because they initially had the 2014 federal farm bill, and now they have the 2018 federal farm bill that was recently passed. Um, and that actually, the 2018 federal farm bill definitely made it clear that hemp is in a safe natural supplement category. So the projections are currently there are about $200 million in sales annually in the U.S. for hemp extracts. And now 
experts believe it will easily surpass a billion in the next few years. What is the, the history of hemp research or cannabinoid research? Is it a relatively recent phenomenon uh, because people have been afraid of crossing a legal line, or has it actually been taking place over several decades? It's been taking place over several decades, and the um, impedance has been lack of regulation. But now that it's there, there's no problem. So again, if you're if you're wanting to be in the hemp space and you're selling a botanical extract, that's perfectly legal as per the 2018 Farm Bill, and that's why they do think the industry will now explode. So since this is an extraordinary growth market, then the opportunities for scientific grants from interested foundations is is wide, I would imagine, and you could apply to a number of sources for money to help continue the research. I, that's possible, and I think also well-organized uh, businesses, um, entities, are now starting to reach out to the respected laboratories in these spaces and challenge us, much like Greenway challenged the TCBMR to do research on the cannabinoid to better to generate better products. Uh, do you think the research will be easier in states that have legalized marijuana, one of which Tennessee is not? No. In our case, for example, we only research the non-psychotropic cannabinoids, and we have no impedance mm-hmm. in the state by doing, you know, for doing so. For example, I was thinking if the uh, a state has legalized. Uh, uh, marijuana, not just medical marijuana, but marijuana, then it would be easier to investigate THC, for example. Absolutely, yeah. We do not work on THC. Right. Coca-Cola is investigating the CBD market. Is there any possible danger of putting CBD in soda pop? Why would you want to put CBD in soda pop, uh, potentially? given the um, general health benefits that now you know, so many people are seeing with CBD, and not just CBD, but the non-psychotropic cannabinoids that you can get from hemp, that people are starting to be creative. So there's already CBD water. So, you know, so why shouldn't Coke want to have CBD Coke? But the um, interesting thing is CBD is one of the safest molecules that's been investigated. They've done numerous animal toxicology studies and now human studies and it can be tolerated at much higher doses with no problem than you actually need to use. So the sky's the limit. We've already got energy drinks on the market. Uh, you could potentially put it in anything that is edible if you think that you can market it. And that's where the market's going. Hmm. Time for another break. We'll return in just a moment. This is MTSU on the record. The Concrete Industry Management Program at MTSU fills the need for trained personnel who know concrete technology and techniques. Our alumni go into the marketplace grounded in basic math and science and able to promote products or services related to the industry. Our participation in the academic common market ensures talented students in other states a chance to enroll on an in-state tuition basis. This is Dr. Heather Brown, Director of the program. To find out more information on this or other university programs, visit mtsunews.com. The Middle East Center at MTSU seeks to promote greater understanding of the politics, history, and culture of this vitally important region of the world. Its mission includes the promotion of outreach programs and faculty research. 
The center sponsors lectures by Middle East experts and scholarly exchanges. We're especially pleased to offer a new interdisciplinary minor in Middle East studies with courses in Arabic and Hebrew. This is Dr. Alan Hibbard, Center Director. For all the latest MTSU information, go to mtsunews.com. Dr. Elliot Altman is director of the Tennessee Center for Botanical Medicine Research and a professor of biology here at MTSU. We're talking about cannabinoids, uh, CBD and THC, and the difference between them, uh, products of uh, the cannabis plant. There's a, a mouth spray called Sativex that's made in the UK. Are you familiar with that at all? I'm not. If there are products that are made overseas that are CBD products, can they be imported into the U.S. even though the FDA has not investigated them or, or scientists here have not tested them? I'm not an expert on that area. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I know it's done, and I'm sure there are regulations to ensure that, that those products are safe. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm more you know familiar with the U.S. market and constraints and testing and what yeah. you have to do. Because you do, in the U.S., have to make sure if you're selling a nutritional supplement that it is safe as per FDA guidelines. And if you are uh, conducting experiments with uh, human participants, there are strict rules and regulations pertaining to that, too, in academia, as there have been for decades. Uh, Tell me to what extent, uh, if at all, MTSU students are helping you with your research at the center? Well, the Tennessee Center for Botanical Medicine Research has 12 professors, and the professors have students, so probably there are about 40 people that are involved in projects related to hemp or cannabinoids that can be extracted from hemp research. And what kinds of roles do they play? Uh, We have a number of PhD students involved. We have a number of master's students. We have a number of undergraduate students that participate in this research. Mm -hmm. And we're working both on can we generate better plants for the state of Tennessee, for example, to avoid the problem of any THC at all, could we generate a plant that just makes CBD and no THC? Mm -hmm. We're working on that. We're also working on what are the actual medical properties of not only CBD, but all of the natural cannabinoids that can be isolated from hemp. What sorts of interactions do the folks at the center have with the School of Agriculture? Is there some cross-pollination, interdisciplinary work there? There was in the early stages, but we've learned that, you know, it's actually more effective for us to be able to grow the plants in our own location. And we used to grow, do a lot of field work where the agricultural department was absolutely um, necessary and great at it. Mm-hmm. But a- as the states progressed, we don't have to do as much of that work anymore. So we can grow the plants that we need in the laboratory and work with farmers that are growing 10, 20, 100 acres. What sort of conditions does the plant require to grow well? Uh, it, it, soil? type of soil, water, uh, sunlight, all of those factors? There are variances, but there are variances that can be understand and learned. Uh, so, so it's like any commercial commodity plant. You need to be careful if you want it, you know, if you want to have a successful crop. So with that said, hemp is not a weed. 
at the end of the day where you can just plant it and forget it. Despite the nickname. Right. No pun intended. Right. Uh, Can it be grown hydroponically? Absolutely. We're doing that. We've looked at both growing it hydroponically and aeroponically. So you could grow it in a greenhouse with special lighting, right? Yes. Uh, It just depends upon really um, how much time and effort you have to devote to it and whether or not you uh, have everything that it needs to to grow well. Do you have to worry about uh, insects if you're growing outside? Well, if you're growing in a greenhouse, which is a controlled situation, it's a lot easier to grow because you're not battling the elements outside. Right. Mm-hmm. But with that said, you can easily plant hemp as a row crop as long as you know what you're doing with, with the correct soil amendments and mm-hmm. treatments, et cetera. Does the soil have to have a certain composition? Well, there are there are amendments to the soil that will make it more amenable mm-hmm. for hemp to grow. Right. So you could even grow it in red clay? Well, I mean, what I'll say on that is our group has actually um, put together a publication that we're about to submit to teach farmers all the nuances that they need to know to grow hemp out in the field. Uh, so that would pertain to both agriculture and the legal variants that they have to take into consideration, right? Yes. Okay. But again, we're focusing on hemp. Right. Uh how big is it in Tennessee right now? About how many, or, or do you have any idea to what extent farmers and others are involved in hemp and CBD in the state of Tennessee at this moment? Or is it still minimal? The hemp industry is absolutely taking off in the state of Tennessee. And I know that we're now over a 1,000 acres and we'll be well over a 1,000 acres next year of hemp actually being grown in the field. Um, a lot of processing operations have now started to crop up in the space where they can make botanical extracts from the hemp to make product for nutritional supplements. There are a number of companies that are making their own nutritional supplements in the state of Tennessee. Five years ago, there were none. So we were behind Kentucky. They were um, a lot more aggressive about getting into this space than we were. But in my opinion, we have caught up. And I personally would like to thank the state legislators for making this happen. They passed the correct bill. They did the right thing to truly put Tennessee in a position to be one of the premier hemp states. Given the health benefits of the products, uh, CBD, uh, is it possible that somebody who had spent his entire life as a tobacco farmer and now no longer wants to have anything to do with that product because our society has taken a 180-degree turn based on science in our attitudes toward tobacco and smoking and chewing, that growing hemp could be a logical and lucrative replacement for that. Well, that's happening, and the reason it's happening is that when you harvest hemp, you have to dry it. It has to be dried before you can extract the cannabinoids from it. And tobacco farmers already have Are, those it, right. houses in place. So tobacco had the infrastructure. So for them, it was a logical crop to move to and actually more lucrative. And it, you wouldn't have to worry about the soil being depleted by the tobacco you had already grown on it or anything right, like that. Right. Hemp, well, again, you do have to take care of it and amend it, mm-hmm. but you can do so. And I can tell you there are a number 
of tobacco farmers that are now growing hemp. Right. As I, as I uh, said before, I don't remember you saying anything about it. What about insects? Do you have, what insects? Do oh, you like have any worry? plant that's grown outside, there are insect problems. Are there specific insects? My apid. You know, you're going to see everything you see for any crop, but. You know, if, mm-hmm. if you know what you're doing farming-wise, you can take care of these problems. Mm-hmm. Uh, is manure as good a fertilizer as any chemical that you could buy? I think people are doing a combination and, and again, amendments. There are certain amendments that are just logical to do if mm-hmm. you want. So, so, again, with the money that hemp crops are worth, because ultimately they're going to generate cannabinoids that are worth a mm-hmm. lot of money, it pays to make sure that you're going to have a decent crop. This new frontier is going to take a heck of an information campaign, isn't it? Because people might easily get confused, think marijuana right out of the box, and be fearful. They have to uh, have proper education and information about the differences so that they will not panic and think that there's something uh, nefarious afoot here. I think that um, the people that have involved themselves, immersed themselves in the hemp industry, have understood immediately the differences and, and understood what they're doing, including both the farmers that want to grow it and the processors that want to make products. Uh, there is a there there's some confusion in the general population, but I think that's getting less and less as people educate themselves and in general other people educate the nation as to what the differences are and how they're used and and now with the 2018 federal farm bill passing it's just going to keep increasing so and that's why you're going to see a big shift in the hemp natural supplement market. Do you think they're being effective in communicating to the consumer that this has nothing to do with THC and it has nothing whatsoever to do with uh, violating drug laws or getting people high? Yes. And I, you know, obviously people can always do better, but I, I think it's pretty clear that when people go to buy hemp products or hemp CBD products, they know they're not buying marijuana. Dr. Elliot Altman, professor of biology and director of the Tennessee Center for Botanical Medicine Research. If you want to know more, Dr. Altman's email is E-L-L-I-O-T, just one T, dot A-L-T-M-A-N at M-T-S-U dot E-D-U. Thank you, Elliot. Thank you. We'll be right back. The mission of the June Anderson Center for Women and Non-Traditional Students is to provide education, advocacy, direct services, outreach, and programming for the MTSU campus and surrounding community on gender-related issues. The center also assists older students who are trying to balance work, college, and family. It also sponsors a monthly legal clinic, career brown bag series, book club, and a newsletter twice a year. For all of the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. MTSU's Jewish and Holocaust Studies minor offers undergraduate students a chance to study the culture and religion of the Jewish people and the Holocaust in an interdisciplinary program. Studies include history and culture, theology and philosophy, and the arts and social sciences. Courses tackle vital topics central to local and global awareness, including multiculturalism and the meanings of diversity, religious tolerance, and genocide. For the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. Randy Weiler has the middle moment. 
Through Scholars Week, the MTSU community brings awareness to academic success, research, and creative projects every March. The public is invited to a week of speakers, poster presentations, and special events, including the University-wide Scholars Day. Jamie Burst from the Office of Research and Sponsored Programs shares more. Throughout the week, the colleges will host various events, such as guest speakers, panel discussions, and interviews. And then on Friday, Scholars Week will conclude with our university-wide poster exhibition. This event takes place in the student union ballroom and is an opportunity for both students and faculty to showcase all of the time and effort they have put into their research. We also hope to have some creative activity on display including some of our um, MTSU dancers and some of our musicians. That's MTSU on the record. I'm Jenna Logue. Thanks for listening. MTSU On The Record, a news and information program about Middle Tennessee State University, is produced by the university's Marketing and Communications Office, which is solely responsible for its content. Read more about MTSU at our website, mtsunews.com. Podcasts of this program are available at mtsunews.com and on iTunes.